Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning uh believe it or not this will be our last saturday at 7 30 however so note that in your calendar in next week's show we will flip back to our old time at nine o'clock so you get to sleep in a little bit later on saturday morning and of course if you don't listen to us on radio, then you're listening to us via podcast. And if you want to check that out, simply go to our website at coastalwm.com and click on the radio icon. And you can hear not only uh, last week's show, but go back in the last five years years and hear all these great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership here in the Lowcountry. I'm one of your hosts here this morning, Eric Cox. And the other host, if you can't tell by the voice already, is not Leslie Haywood this morning. It is Byron Stahl. Good morning. Good morning, Byron. Leslie, yeah, is uh, having a little break. She's down in, I think, Costa Rica enjoying herself. So here we are stuck in the studio on a Saturday morning while she's enjoying Yeah, I think... I'm, I'm pretty jealous, I'm yeah, not going to lie. She's doing all right. So, Well, Byron, we had a great show over the last two weeks. Mr. Josh Watts, uh, who is the CEO of oh, MedTrust yeah. Medical Transport, uh, did a great job in just laying out, you know, again, uh, I love the, the journey and the anatomy of the mindset of an entrepreneur. What was one of your uh, best takeaways? Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, Eric, my biggest takeaway is we need to bring Josh Watts back. We couldn't even finish the interview. There was so much meat in that interview. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, uh, be sure to go back and listen to our podcast on our website, coastalwm.com. Um, but what a tremendous story and building one of the fastest rising companies in uh, South Carolina, MedTrust. Um, but really, one of the biggest takeaways that I took beyond that was a quote that he said, and you know, I think this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs who have been through it all can kind of agree with. He said that things will take twice as long and cost twice as much. And, you know, that's a testament to, you know, it's great to build a business plan. It's great to have a vision. But when you actually go out and do it, it's usually a little bit harder than it is in theory. Sounds like building a house, huh? So, um, yeah, I agree. Josh was just amazing and very eloquent in in telling his story. Um, but when I step back and I think about uh, the journey that, that him and, and his partners had come through, uh, what a great testament to somebody whom – um, hadn't grown up in that business, didn't know anything about that industry, yeah. and basically identified that there was a niche there, a need that they thought they could improve upon over the existing service in the ambulance service world here in Charleston. And um, we're able to take it takes that. a fresh perspective on things. And, and we're able to take that and ultimately, like you said, build a great model. Um, but what a great example of, again, entrepreneurship comes from all different places and angles. Sometimes on our show, we have you know, entrepreneurs that grew up in the business. We have entrepreneurs who jumped off the corporate cliff after so many years and, and got into a business. Maybe that was their trade. And then somebody like what we heard last week knew nothing about the industry at all, had great experience, certainly in, in business background, and took a model and retooled it and has been very successful. And so, again, 
entrepreneurship can come in many shapes, sizes, and forms. So great show, Josh. Thanks again for your great content. Yeah, absolutely. So Eric, tell us a little bit about our guest today. Well, we've got somebody who's not definitely uh, anybody that's new to Charleston or Charlestonianites and what's going on around this community, Mr. Bratton Riley. Uh, first of all, Bratton, thank you for joining us this morning. It's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. And in case that name does ring a bell, yes, he is related to the great Joe Riley. And so we're going to hear a lot about your family's history in this community and what uh, you experienced growing up. Uh, but currently, you are the co-founder and CEO of CityBot. So for our listeners who don't know, shame on them, first of all, right? Give us a quick 20, 30-second commercial on CityBot. Thanks so much. Uh, CityBot is a citizen engagement platform that cities and counties provide for their citizens so that citizens can interactively text message into local government for customer service purposes and trying to support you know, their needs and helping cities get the job done more efficiently. Excellent. Well, obviously, there's some tie to that to your history, right? So we're going to be able to bring that out in the show. So yeah. why don't we uh, kick it off? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost ready to start asking questions about City Bot. That sounds fascinating. But this is called Beyond the Business. So first, we're going to go beyond the business all the way to the very beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your childhood, family life, and growing up? Thanks, Byron. I grew up here in Charleston. Um, you know, had a very you know, I think pretty normal childhood, I would guess. I get the question all the time. My dad was mayor for all but five years of my life. You know, I get the question all the time. What was it like growing up when your dad was the mayor? Um, and I don't have anything to compare it to. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, point. he was home every night except for city council meetings by six o'clock. So we had a very normal, you know, experience at home where we had breakfast every morning and dinner every night with the exception of tuesday every other week and i have an older brother who named joe who we love each other so much and had a great you know growing up together he's four and a half years older than i am so it was a kind of fun distance in age where you know he was always kind of cool and his friends were cool and i looked up to them very much and you know grew up downtown south abroad you know which is a different sort of place then that it is now um it's kind of a little bit more middle class uh with lots of families and lots of kids and it was like this amazing playground where we had access to all these parks and the moms kind of knew generally what we were doing and they were kind of always on the lookout for us it was kind of this just surreal just looking back on it kind of uniquely amazing uh place to grow up and so as a, as a kid growing up here, again, your dad in the limelight for all your, pretty much your whole life, uh, what was the vision for you as a youngster when you grew up? What was it you thought you were going to be? You know, it was definitely not an entrepreneur. You know, I think probably if I had to think about it, it would have been sort of some of the more traditional, you know, roles that folks might be looking to do as they grow up when it was probably to be a lawyer or something of that sort, I would imagine. And, um, you know, kind of for a lot of the part, I was pursuing that path um, growing up and going to college. And then I ended up, you know, going to law school and business school simultaneously at the University of South Carolina. So I was kind of on that path. But, you know, and we could talk about it as we talk about CityBot, but just I don't, my personality is I can't sit still. 
And so the typical lawyer job is that you have to sit and write and and track your time, which are just things that just don't suit my personality. I like to be on my feet and be more on the improv, so to speak. And so even though I went to law school, I I realized quickly that that was not the profession I wanted to see because of that part of my personality. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, and that's a common denominator for a lot of entrepreneurs: the inability to sit still and always striving for that next thing. Uh, so let's go back again, sure. um, and tell us a little bit about um, school. What kind of student were, were you? Where did you go to school here in Charleston? Sure, I grew up, you know, going to Portugal the whole twelve years, and you know, I get I don't have anything to compare that to, but it was very, you know, easy fun experience i was a pretty good student um or didn't (laughs) a little bit boring but didn't really find myself in trouble a whole lot (laughs) um my brother kind of kind of greased the wheels on that and kind of took care of the getting into trouble part so i kind of learned maybe some things i shouldn't do (laughs) (laughs) learn from big brother yeah but um but no he he he's awesome and um and then, you know, school itself, it, you know, there's so many fun experiences. One of the great things that that school enabled me to do was to play sports, um, which if I had gone to a bigger school, there was no chance I would have been making these varsity teams. I played varsity basketball, had an amazing coach, Randy Clark, who's sort of an, he's passed away five years ago and some change, but an icon in our community. And if I, as I tell people, if I were to boil down my childhood bliss into one thing, it was playing for Randy Clark's basketball team. I was the kid that struggled to make the team. I spent a lot of time on my rear end watching the game, uh, being played with my teammates, but I also worked my my you-know-what off to make the team and be a teammate and be a leader, even though the Lord didn't (laughs) gift me with all the skills of coordination and all that uh, that goes with being a good basketball player. But I would have not had that opportunity pretty much anywhere else. And it was a pretty special life experience. So then you end up leaving Charleston to go off to college, uh, head up to UVA, I believe. um, That's correct. And uh, continued on with your JD and MBA from South Carolina. So talk a little bit about your college experience sure i think i think another just sort of theme of growing up that is tangential to my dad being in the role that he was in for so many years is he came into being talked into running for mayor in 1975 and then you know for being mayor for so long the city was at a, a crossroads where basically long story short some african-american folks are going to be elected to city council basically for the first time there's going to be six black and six white African, you know, uh, city council members, and the city was very concerned about that, both the black community and the white community. And so, one of the unique things about growing up here, unlike sort of many of my privileged peers, so to speak, was that those six African American amazing leaders and the inclusive teammates that my dad helped build for the city of Charleston became extended members of my family and so when we talk about sort of high school and college and sort of the ethos of my dad around civil rights really influenced me a lot in terms of education that I pursued so I ended up in college I I was a history major but I studied the civil rights movement in the deep south 
particularly in Mississippi in 1961 to 64. This guy named Bob Moses, who's an amazing, understated hero of the civil rights movement. Uh, And then, um, you know, happy to talk more about college, but I ended up moving to Brazil after uh, immediately after graduating from college and lived in a city called Salvador in the northeast coast of Brazil, which is the second, at the time, second largest African city in the world. And having that comparison of of sort of what happened in the Deep South and, and where the Deep South is, certainly at that time, comparing it to northeast Brazil, where, you know, the slave culture and what happened as a consequence of that uh, are, are similar but nuanced and different stories. And so the ability to sort of have a comparison on those two things was very impactful but you know back to college i also had a lot of fun um just charlottesville is a beautiful city the school is you know it's a great learning and life a a place where many great life experiences happen it's seasonal in virginia the every season is very unique and a beautiful countryside had a lot of fun too um and, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you blink your eyes and there you are graduating. But it was just a, an amazing life experience. There was no way <laughs> in the world that I would have been able to get in there into the school. You know, years later, I was just lucky to be able to get in when I did. And by the way, in case you are wondering or just joined us, whose voice that is, is that of Bratton Riley, who's a co-founder and CEO of CityBot. And he's describing his experience of growing up here in Charleston. His dad certainly mayor for how many years was it? Forty. Forty years and what life was like coming through that whole realm. Um, and as you started uh, your career experiences, so you went to Brazil, Yep. obviously ended up back here in the States. Talk a little bit about professionally, what was your aim and goal at that point? So I came back into grad school. As I mentioned, I did law school in the international business program at USC. I did those simultaneously, so it was a four-year program, also a great life experience both in terms of what I learned, but, you know, my friends that I have to this day that were in both programs. Um, I was just with a group of my business school friends last weekend that come from all over the country to be together, which is kind of unique from what I can tell from others' business school's experience. But I think originally I was thinking about sort of blending commercial law with an international component to it uh the living abroad had a you know had a really big impact on me and the opportunity i was trying to pursue ways to maintain my threads of connectivity to latin america charleston does not have that many of those threads and so i started by looking in some of the big metro areas across the country but what happened was i applied for and and had the amazing opportunity to be the clerk for Chief Ju- then Chief Justice Gene Toll on the South Carolina Supreme Court, and that, other than the job I have now, was, was the best job I've ever had because I, you, you're on the front lines of the common law being made in the state, being mentored by some brilliant, amazing people, and you know I. <laughs> I had a gr- I've had a great education, but I did not learn how to effectively write until I was in those chambers, uh, which was also a tool that I use every day. 
But um, so I, I was clerking for her. That's a two year stint. And that was oh two to oh four and was looking at some law firms to join here locally. But I was really interested in what this guy, Jack Maybank, was doing with a company called Maybank Shipping that he built here in Charleston. And that was running uh, marine vessels, owning and managing marine vessels moving from southeastern U.S. ports into the Caribbean and into sort of northern Latin America and Central America. And Jack had, he's a longtime family friend. He was a triplet, grew up with my father. And so he was also, his family was also pretty much a family extension as well. And so literally the second year of my clerkship with Judge Toll, I was trying to talk Jack in to give me a job. And it was not easy um, because he didn't really know what he was needing at the time. The company was pretty young uh, at the time. And so it was finally that I got an offer from another local law firm, which was very nice uh, of them to do. And when I finally had something on the table and needed to really make a decision um, to take the job or not, <laughs> Jack finally acquiesced and said, all right, I'll give you a job. And so it was a, it was a you know, pay cut relative to the job offer that I had with a law firm, but Jack was doing some, and his family were doing some amazing work in building the shipping company and 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 going to places like Cuba, which is you know of big interest to me uh, to have the opportunity to participate and help with him growing that business. And so he finally offered the job, and I took it, and that began a wonderful sort of life experience of trying to help grow the shipping company business and traveling down to places like Havana frequently and negotiating these contracts of a freightment with the Cuban government for agricultural products that those were products that the US government authorized in the early 2000s that that US exporters could actually export to Cuba and so we were the shipping company that carried a lot of that cargo and so going in to interact with those agencies amazing Lots of talent, lots of brains, lots of just good-natured people that became our dear friends that we were doing business with. And it was kind of in the heyday of the U.S. to Cuba trade when Fidel was firmly in power. And the folks that ran the government agencies were the best and the brightest in the country. That's completely changed today, but that was the heyday. And just amazing life experiences being able to participate at that time in that trade. So working with Jack and being a part of the growth of what it turns out to be a fantastic company, what are some uh, lessons that you might have learned working with Jack that you apply to your entrepreneurial journey today? <laughs> There's so many. I joke with <laughs> folks that I had all this great education, but I didn't learn business until i watched jack operate you know and he taught me so many lessons one of which was never go into a meeting by yourself always take another person especially in a key meeting because you just never know what your colleague is going to pick up that you don't pick up whether it's it's what they hear that you don't hear or catching someone's body language that you don't see and so you know, that was a lesson that I learned 
very early on and carry that as much as I can into, you know, what I do today. Um, also just, you know, he was always trying to find ways to create leverage for himself, even when a lot of that leverage was somewhat manufactured um, by his style of being. He was a real cult of personality. He was well, you kind of lev- used your uh, contract as leverage to get uh, into Maybach. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. But he, it was um, – and he – his business was built on relationships. And these – you know, doing business in countries like Haiti, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, you know, not a country. It was, you know, part of the U.S., uh, Venezuela, and some of these other places. is like the – the roots of our business that extended into these countries, which are tough places to do business, you can go down wrong paths very easily if you get involved with the wrong people. And his relationships with those people were, I keep using the word family, but they were family. And so you always knew that in the case of that business, that your cargo was going to be okay when it got into the home country, that you were working with folks that did not put up with any kind of, you know, extraneous business behavior that is commonly known in some of these countries, and that they would take care of your cargo and make sure it got to where it needed to go. And so those relationships, you know, I'm in such a relationship business now. and just Not like, real. We, we talk about that a lot on this show yeah. in terms of everything that we do is relationship-oriented. And um, you were with them for, what, 12 years or so. That's right. That's and, right. And in spirit of, A, our time, and B, the sure. show, beyond the business, entrepreneurs, where does the seed for you develop that, hey, I've had a nice run in this, but now it's time for me to go explore uh, my own waters and become an entrepreneur? So I learned a lot about what it is to be an entrepreneur at Maybank. And we actually, Jack Sr. passed away in early 2007. So that was roughly three years into my work there. And then we carried on the business into a port terminal operating business that was very entrepreneurial. And so I learned a lot about what it means to be an entrepreneur and take risks uh, through that experience. And... You know, what, what happened, how I came to be in CityBot was actually I, I was so fortunate asked to be a Liberty Fellow, which is a, a state leadership development uh, organization that's centered around trying to make South Carolina a better place and have to do a project. And I ended up doing a project working with the Charleston County Park System where we enabled physicians – through the help of the Roper St. Francis Foundation to um, prescribe prescriptions for their patients to go exercise in the park system. Long story short, that started happening. And then we were like, well, this is really cool, but we should get some metrics on what's happening when these patients go into the park system and feed that data back to the physician to help them in how they care for their their precious patients. And so I was doing some networking around town, including Patrick Bryant, who we were talking about trying to figure out, well, who's in software in the, in this area that can sort of help us build a way to take this data and feed it to the doctors. And so all roads led to this guy named Tom Wilson, who is a, 
I call him the Obi-Wan Kenobi of software developers in town. He's an amazing human, number one. And so anyways, that he helped us, and that, that was in, I think, the spring of 13. And so we built a friendship, Tom and I did, so that ultimately he recruited me into the tech space. And, and that's sort of how the transition happened out of Maybank when Tom called. It's like when some of that stature calls and throws something at you, you do stop and seriously consider that. And so that's what I did. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. And real quick, because we are going to run out of time. Sure. But when, when that call came in, do you feel like you had already been mentally thinking about it? You were ready for that? Or was that something you really had to tussle with and come to the conclusion it was the right time? You know, I was I was thinking about it in terms of I'm in my early 40s. I'm working for this great business. I see some things down the road where there's a lot of consolidation in the maritime industry and growth is somewhat limited. Some of our growth was somewhat limited by where we're located here in Charleston. And so from that standpoint, I was I probably had my antenna up you know, just knowing that to be the reality. And so I think, you know, maybe I was putting some energy out into the universe as a consequence of that, whether I knew it or not. And so I still have his voicemail saved in my phone when Tom called me. Oh, um, and the birth so, of CityBot comes about. And then the birth of CityBot comes from there. Well, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up there. It goes by really fast, doesn't it? It sure does. Uh, but we'll have you back next Saturday to tell the story on how you launched CityBot, certainly the success that you're all having today, and maybe some of the challenges along the way as an entrepreneur, I'm sure, that you have experienced. So, I look forward to it. Absolutely. Brad and Riley, again, co-founder and CEO of CityBot. Thank you for your story today. You've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3. WSC and simulcast on iHeartRadio. If you happen to miss one of our segments, simply go to our website at coastalwm.com. Click on the uh, radio icon. You can listen to all of our great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership. And until next Saturday morning, by the way, we do move also from 7.30 to our 9 o'clock time slot. So please join us at 9 o'clock next Saturday morning here on 94.3. And until then, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7:30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.